welcome to your podcast or mine, where the creative minds behind the mic are interviewed. Now, let's get things started. Here's your host, Sherry. Welcome to Your Podcaster Mind. I'm Sherry, and today I'm speaking with Jean-Paul Garnier, the creative mind behind the Simultaneous Times podcast. So thank you so much for joining me. How are you doing today? Thank you. I'm doing very well. Thanks. Well, um, let's start with uh, a brief background about yourself and uh, give a description of the Simultaneous Times podcast. Sure. Simultaneous Times is a science fiction anthology podcast. Uh, We do audio dramas or radio plays set to music. And the catalyst for starting this was I own a small science fiction bookstore in Joshua Tree, California. And as I uh, met more and more writers, I decided we were going to start publishing books as well. But as a sister product to our anthology books of science fiction. I have a background as an audio engineer, so I thought, why not bring these stories to life and bring in a cast to read them, bring in some of my wonderful composer friends to write music for them, and it's been a very fun and great process to see these stories come to life in audio format. So how long has the podcast been uh, produced or out there? Just about two years now, we've done 21 episodes of radio plays, which is usually one or three, two to three short stories. And about a year ago, we also started doing um, the Simultaneous Times Supplementary Log. We've done 12 of those so far, which is interviews with the writers and musicians that make the whole production possible. So uh, what was your motivation to start podcasting? I mean, you mentioned that um, you were in audio engineer, uh, was there a specific podcast that said, oh, hey, you know, I could do this and maybe I could do it better or, hey, let's this, you know, bring this to life and, uh, you know, get this started. Was was there anything in particular that you listened to or was it just something that uh, organically grew out of uh, your imagination to, to um promote the the music and the authors? Well, um, it's a little bit of both. So uh, about almost 10 years ago now, I used to work at a radio station, so I had a background in radio, and I had really loved that process and wanted to do get involved in that again. But um, it wasn't necessarily any specific podcast or anything that inspired me, but more so the old radio dramas from the 50s and 60s. When I was a little kid and I got my first AM radio, at my bedtime there was a radio station that would play old dramas, radio dramas, westerns, uh, science fiction, crime, horror, and I just got addicted to those as a kid and started um, collecting them when I was an adult too, and I wanted to add to that canon and um, there's there's a lot of wonderful science fiction audio drama podcasts being produced now, but I'm more inspired by a program that ran out of a Wisconsin radio station in the 70s and 80s called Mindwebs. That was probably the biggest influence for me on how we produce the stories. Uh, for the first 
10, 11 episodes that we did, it was just dramatic readings set to music. And then um, we decided to move into full cast readings, which has been a lot of fun, but exponentially more work. But we're always trying to figure out ways to make it better and to bring the stories to life more. So I'm still working my way through a lot of the old radio dramas. Occasionally I'll listen to um, my contemporaries and the work they're doing. But I tend to do things chronologically, the way I read and the way I experience media. So I'm still going through all the classic old stuff, working my way up to uh, to present times. Yeah, I we uh, share the same uh kind of background i i was in radio also and but uh you know growing up i i always hearken back to you know the the og if you will of of like the science fiction uh drama on radio war of the world so that was the first you know that was my first exposure to it and you know have been pretty much in love with with the the old radio dramas ever since then so i i <laughs> you know and I, I a lot of people you know use that as an example but that for me was really like the eye opener because it was so realistic and it was so you know well you know written and and well produced so um <laughs> that that's you know that's what I, you know, distinctly remember in childhood and then studying radio as a as a college student, you know, we listened to a lot of like even the, the comedies and you know, the, the use of, of all of the sound effects and, and things of that nature too, you know. So I I tend to, you know, like to listen to all of that too. So but the the contemporary is, is very interesting as well. So Indeed, and I think you can tell when you listen to the contemporaries who is inspired by podcasting and who is inspired by radio. Um, Most of my team, my production team, the musicians um, and and myself are definitely from a radio background. A lot of us had either worked at college stations or little nonprofit stations or pirate stations. And uh, one of the things I've done recently, which is really exciting, is I bought a little transmitter. So if you're nearby my bookstore, you can actually tune in and hear the podcast over the airwaves. So starting to pirate radio and, uh, you know, doing doing the modern thing, but also trying to do the old-fashioned thing and, and just bring these stories to life and to people in as many ways as we can. Uh-huh. So that, that's kind of cool going going back old school, you know, like <laughs> like uh, 80s, you know, pirate radio and and you know, and I've seen documentaries on the whole pirate radio thing, and and that's really cool. I mean, I was involved initially in in, in college radio, and then you know, uh, graduated to FM uh, stations and internet radio before podcasting, um, but. Yeah, I, I I totally get it, and and that's really cool that you're doing it. Um, Joshua Tree is is an area also that uh, probably uh, sparks a, a lot of imagination too. Just uh, just the um, terrain and and uh, you know the whole uh, scenery of of that area. I I haven't been there myself. I've seen plenty of pictures on you know on social media and you know, friends describing it, but, uh, you know, that, that probably is a good, uh, background or setting for a lot of science fiction too. 
It is. It's a very inspiring place with a very bizarre landscape. And one of the wonderful things about my community here is it's a dark skies community. So it's it's one of the few places in America you can get a really good look at the stars. So when people come to visit, they're often seeing the Milky Way for the first time or, you know, this, this beautiful view of the sky for the first time. And I don't think anyone can look at the sky and not ask the big philosophical questions. You know, what's out there? Are there, are there other life forms? Are aliens going to visit us? And um, so it gets people in kind of a sci-fi mood, which is cool. Um, I hate to burst people's bubble, but um, a lot of visitors come in the store and they say, oh, we saw something in the sky last night. Do you know what it is? And we are located right next to a military base. So there's a lot of art, uh, artillery tests and things like that. So I'm like, well, if it was just east of here, it probably was the military, not aliens. I hate to tell them that, but, <laughs> but it is a, <laughs> you know, you look up at the sky and you, and you see things. And because our skies are so dark, people tend to look at the skies more. And that's a really wonderful thing. Um, as someone who's inter- for someone who's interested in astronomy and also for someone who writes science fiction. So it's, it's very inspiring. And I, I've even written stories inspired by misconstruing the military stuff <laughs> for aliens. So that's it's, oh. um, it's definitely a neat place. And there's not, you know, it's a small community, so there's not that many science fiction writers here. But we do have a handful. And as I started to meet them, I really wanted to bring them together for a collective project and it's been kind of neat because through my contacts with other non-science fiction writers I've been able to inspire literary fiction writers to try their hand at science fiction so that's I feel like that's been a real success and most of them excel at it and it's it's neat to see everyone around me getting interested and involved in something that's a deep passion of mine yeah that that's really cool I <laughs> I think that's, uh, you know, if if you can uh, bring someone to the other side, so to speak, that <laughs> that's a good way of doing it, you know, to to uh, you know use another part of your brain if you're a, a fiction writer instead of writing maybe about a, a you know crime noir kind of novel to maybe writing dabbling in science fiction. You know, they they all kind of tie in with each other anyway, so um, in in some shape or form. They do, and unfortunately, there's a lot of stereotypes surrounding science fiction. So it's been kind of a mission of mine to dispel some of those and to show the audience and the writers some of the things that science fiction's really good at and how we can use it, and that it can be great literature as well. And I think bringing bringing the stories into audio play formats, um, you know, it's it's kind of like watching a movie, except for because there's no visual element, you really still get to use your imagination. So I feel like it engages the audience in a different way that's really fun. Yeah, the, and and then it, it kind of uh, brings you back to the, you know, the uh, radio dramas that were on, because you had to use your imagination with that, too, and it's it's just a new format. It's just brought into the 21st century, you know, rather than than sitting in front of a radio, you might be uh, cleaning your house with your earbuds or, you know, on the commute on your way to work in in your car. Hopefully you're not imagination, you're not imagining too much while you're driving, but... (laughs) 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 <laughs> yeah, that that can like, be a challenge. 
<laughs> but like maybe on a commute on a subway or something like that. That that's <laughs> I'll use that as as an example <laughs> instead of you know. Yeah, and I think it's 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 really cool, you know, especially with these um, imaginative fiction uh, that that myself and a lot of my contemporaries are doing. You know, in, in a mundane trek to work on a subway or something, you can visit other worlds and. Um, you know, I think it brings a lot of joy to people. There's a, there's a good reason podcasts are so popular, and and the fact that we can get them on demand, and instead of having to wait for the uh, for it to be broadcast on the radio. That being said, you know, we have a couple local podcasters here other than myself, and one of them, Desert Oracle Radio, is also on our local radio station Friday nights. And for a lot of us, it's kind of a ritual to sit around and and you know wait to turn on the radio and and hear. Um, some of our local contemporaries doing it, but both in the radio format and podcasting. That's really interesting. That's, that's really um, neat that, uh, you know, the radio station is, is uh, broadening itself out to, you know, give other platforms to use too. So, um, so you said that a lot of uh, the authors and musicians are are people that are local to your area, but um, do you feature other authors and musicians um, that perhaps may want to submit something to uh, the you know simultaneous times? Yes, absolutely. So my attitude is always, you know, I live in a small town. There's only 8,000 of us here, and it's a very community-minded place. So my attitude is always local first. You know, you work with your neighbors and you develop those relationships. Um, so when we first started, it was all local writers, but I'm always into branching out. And uh, we've had more and more bigger name writers and um, people I've met that have been on literary tours and have stopped by the bookstore or some people that I've just queried and asked to write for us. So we are always looking for submissions for, for short stories. I'm really excited to have a broad and diverse group of writers working with us, and we do pay the writers uh, what we can. Um, for music, I'd be open to submissions, but I'm really excited. My, my musical team um, understands the motivation behind this so well. My main musical contributors are Red, Blue, Black, Silver, Fog Machine, Dane Luscombe, Oneira Thopter, Julie Carpenter. And th these are all people I've been working with since the beginning. And it's rare we even have to exchange mix notes anymore. Everyone understands the sense of theater that we want to do. And I'd, I'd be open to working with more musicians, but I'm just, uh, my team is so good. They make, they make life easy on me. But we're always yeah, looking for short stories. And yeah, we're, we're, like some... oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. That's all right. Um, one of the exciting things that's happening is I'm starting to get uh, works in translation. So we're starting to get more international writers. I've been talking to some people in Brazil about bringing some Brazilian science fiction writers to the podcast and potentially some Mexican science fiction writers. And when you read science fiction from around the world, they tend to – the stories tend to address, address very different issues. And I like to – I like the podcast to have as broad a scope as possible. I try and put very few um, restrictions on the writers. You know, we, we've even had everything from fictitious interviews to fake commercials – so we're also interested in nonlinear storytelling. You know, we have the traditional narrative stories, but 
because the audio format's so wide open, we can do all different kinds of things. And I, I really encourage writers to push the envelope and, you know, do different types of things, whether that be epistolaries or, you know, a fake infomercial, for instance. Uh, and, and it's been fun to kind of keep it surprising for the audience. I think from one episode yeah. to the next, you don't really know what you're going to get, which keeps it fresh. Exactly. Um, I was just going to mention um, in regard to um, the musical team behind you that it sounds like you're very much in sync with each other and, uh, you know, also the other authors that, that you work with, too. Um, but a lot of the time, also, people what people don't understand about science fiction is that um, it brings up a lot of... Um, issues that you know the people think that science fiction is about aliens and uh you know pew 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 and you know but it brings up a lot of um social and uh you know other issues you know and that go around you know that are impacting our world and people don't realize that until they really really um listen and understand the the meaning behind the story Absolutely, and it's it's interesting you bring that up because I feel that it's one of the great strengths of science fiction. If if you want to take on a, a social issue, for instance, it's very easy uh, from the audience perspective to kind of feel like you're under the gun, that the finger's being pointed at you, um, and, and it takes away from the entertainment part of that. But in science fiction you know you can you can take a societal issue that we have today you can put it on another planet you can make it an argument with an ai you can do these things where you you separate the issue from where we're currently at you know we extrapolate futures in in science fiction and so the reader can get this compelling and and thoughtful story or message but because it's fictionalized and it's separated from this, the world that we live in in some ways, it takes the pressure off and the finger's not pointed at the reader. So in a way, you know, you, you can rant without it being a rant. And I think it's one of the great strengths of science fiction, and it's been fun to explore that with some of the non-science fiction writers that are, that are trying out science fiction. Like, for instance, we have a wonderful local writer named Susan Rukeyser, and her and I are starting to work on a collaboration piece where we're writing these kind of parody corporate pamphlets. So it's it's part advertisement, part storytelling, but we can take on an issue like climate change without placing the blame anywhere necessarily, just talking about the ugliness of a situation like that with, without pointing the finger. And I, I think that that's always good because it's easy with social issues like that to um, be angry and frustrated, and that doesn't always work in storytelling. Right, right. <laughs> I find that in uh, you know a lot of the science fiction that I I listen to or I watch on television, um, you know, I I tend to look toward uh, the ones that are going to uh, you know spark a conversation or um, I don't know, make you think a little bit more about an issue, whether it's mentioned directly or indirectly in, in the piece that I'm listening to or watching on television. So that that's why I, I like to, you know, that's why I kind of liked, um, you know, 
things, you know, stories such as like the Outer Limits or uh, the Twilight Zone, you know, going back to the 50s. It's, you know, very cliche, but but they, uh, you know, threw out a lot of, of those things and, you know, and even the the newer version um, that Jordan Peele makes, he he tends to um, bring light to some of those uh, topics as well. So, you know, that's something that I always gravitate toward. You know, something that has a deeper meaning to it. Yeah, and you know, even going back to to the old stuff from the fifties and sixties, it's it's really worthwhile because I look at fiction as our emotional history. You know, we, we read history and it's the dates, the places, it's this happened, but our fiction expresses how we felt about what was happening. So it's our emotional history. And you, you watch the old Outer Limits or the old Twilight Zone or the old radio dramas from that era. And there's, you know, they're ripe with Cold War paranoia. And one of the things that we do in fiction is express our fears and our concerns about the future. And science fiction is the ideal platform for doing that, you know, in a a way, a lot of science fiction uh, is cautionary tales. You know, we can live out the potential futures on paper and ideally avoid some of the mistakes that we might make because we've had a a dry run with our fiction. Right, right. And, you know, another another topic that was – brought up was McCarthyism and, and things of that nature too. Well, that that's also related to the Cold War in, in some respects, but um, yeah, I, I agree with that. So um, as far as the, the podcasting is concerned, do you have a, a team behind you to help um, produce and, and edit the show? Or is so how you? we usually do it? Uh, I, I do a lot of the lifting, the heavy lifting, but uh, my, my team is also very involved. Uh, for a typical episode, what will happen is, you know, I'll, I'll have a couple different short stories, and I'll try and either pair those up that go thematically well or just super different from each other so that you get a dynamic episode. And I'll go through the, scri- the, um, the scripts, and I will – kind of highlight all of the different characters and figure out how many actors we need to get in, how many of the voices I can do myself. And so the first step is the actors come over and I have a very small studio, so we have to do it one at a time. I'd I'd love to do it like Mercury Theater where everyone's there in the same room. Eventually we will. So the actors come over one at a time and I record all of their parts, usually a few different passes. And then I will go from... Um, my recording device into the box and I will do all of the editing and copying and, and uh, pasting and arranging the dialogue to match the story. And that's, that's a very time consuming part and, you know, cleaning up any external noises. And once the, once the radio play with the voices and actors is all together, then I've usually sat down with one of the musicians beforehand and kind of taken notes and made um, some ideas about how we're going to produce that particular story. And then once we get to that stage, I hand it over to one of the musicians and they compose the music to the story, which uh, we didn't do that for the first couple episodes, but once we started doing that, it really started bringing the stories to life in a new way. And then they'll also do, um, you know, the Foley, they'll do the sound effects uh, for action scenes and things like that. And then they'll pass it back to me, and occasionally we'll go back and forth and have some mixed notes, so we need to change this, or this volume's a little too loud. 
but the more and more I work with the team, the less back and forth there is. There's just a kind of intuitive understanding of what we're trying to do. But it's a it's a lot of work, especially since we moved into cast reading. I was thinking about it the other day between the writers, the actors, my editing, and the composers. There's probably about a hundred hours go into every episode. So it's it's an intensive project and you know, we don't we don't charge for it. We we never wanna have ads because we don't wanna interrupt the fiction. So it's it's really a labor of love and, and ideally to make the authors and the audience really happy and to bring this story to people in a way that they couldn't have just reading it on the page. Yeah. So um, how often do you release uh, Simultaneous Times and or the uh, supplementary log? So right now on the 15th of every month, we do um, the uh, radio plays, so which will be two or three short stories. And on the first of every month, we do the supplementary logs so of one of the interviews. So right now we're doing two episodes a month, but they're they're very different types of episodes can be kind of hard to keep up with but we've been for the last couple years i think once we were a day late we've been we've been staying pretty on track with that so far yeah so um the uh you know it obviously takes uh some time to do uh, at least 100 hours to to put into it um and of course you've got the uh comic book i mean this i'm sorry the bookstore that you have the space cowboy um so, you know, on, on top of that, I I imagine that it leaves you with uh, little time to do very much else. But if you do, what, what do you um, like to listen to as far as, um, you know, other podcasts or, um, or other uh, dramas that you like to watch or science fiction that you like to read? Is there, is there anything in particular that – or or do you just like step away from it all and go see like a a death metal concert? I don't know. <laughs> I'm just throwing it out there. <laughs> I, I've been known to do that occasionally. Um, I spend most of my time reading, you know, be, because I own the bookshop and because we're publishing and producing audio fiction. Uh, I spend a lot of time reading. I'm also a freelance editor, so I do a lot of reading for work. That's not just reading for pleasure. Uh, my reading for pleasure these days, I've been really gravitating towards the new wave science fiction writers of the late 60s and early 70s. J.G. Uh, Ballard's been one of my favorites lately. Currently reading a book by Michael Butterworth that's really inspiring. And I, I like that era because these guys and, and these guys and gals were pushing the envelope and, you know, doing some experimentation, seeing the different roads that science fiction can go. And I'm really inspired by them. I don't want to do what they did, but I find it very inspiring to have a group of people get together and say, how can we push the envelope? How can we change the genre? How can we do something that hasn't been done before? So I spend the majority of my time I spent thinking about science fiction and, and science as well, because you, you can't really separate the two. You need to... Uh, to bring that into the fold. But, you know, it, it seems like I work a lot. I work seven days a week between the podcast and the, uh, and the bookstore, but I love what I'm doing. So most of the time it doesn't feel like work. And right. the coolest thing about having the bookshop is, you know, while the podcast is remote and I don't necessarily get to talk to the audience uh, because of the bookstore, I'm face to face with people. I, I meet writers in person 
um, I, I get to meet some of the audience or let them know what we're doing. And that's really rewarding because I, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, do you sell books online? And, and I don't. And the reason I don't is because I want to meet people. I want to be able to give a good book recommendation. I, I learn a lot from my customers and audience. Uh, they'll introduce me to writers that I haven't heard of yet. And I think, you know, in the, in the internet age, it's, it's definitely taken away from some of our personal in-person interactions with people. And that's what makes this all fun is actually sitting down and talking to people, or even if it's just on the phone, like we're doing, um, so it, it's it's a joy to do, even though it's a lot of work. Right. Well, I enjoy going to bookstores, just uh, and not the the uh, big chain ones, but rather the the smaller independent ones, because you get a more of a feel of what you know what is physically like. You can hold it in your hands, and you can ask someone what your you know what their thoughts are, and. Uh, also share your views on on different items that have come out too. Um, whereas you know the Kindle, you just like press a button and and there it is. I mean it's convenient for for some things, but I'd much rather hold the book in my hand and and read it myself. And you know go go to the bookstore and meet the the shop cat or you know the shop dog or whatever you know and just hang out and have a discussion with someone about the latest book or an old book that I've never discovered before but might you know really fit my needs so that that's another you know great thing about it too yeah and most independent booksellers are are community minded and they have a lot of um readings and book launches and so you get to meet the authors too and one of the plans for the future that I'm excited about is you know we do tons of literary events at the store um science fiction and otherwise we've had all kinds of things from film screenings by local filmmakers to talks on UFOs to talks about feminism, um, really all over the place. And, and so the, the audience gets to interact with the authors directly, which is really neat. And I'm looking forward in the future to doing some live episodes of Simultaneous Times where we bring the actors, we bring the musicians, we put them all on stage at the store, and the audience can see the podcast being made live. So that's going to be quite a production, but I'm hoping next year we can pull off one or two of those. And I think it would be really neat because a lot of us that listen to podcasts don't get the opportunity to see behind the scenes and see how it happens. Yeah. That that would be something to, to see because there's, a like you said, a lot that goes behind it. To, so to see something like that uh, go on live, that, that sounds like a lot of fun, but also, um, you know, gives a – an insight to people as to how much work actually does go into, um, you know, creating something like this. So, <laughs> um, so as far as, uh, you know, aspiring podcasters or, uh, someone that is looking to become a, a science fiction or even just a fiction writer, um, would there be any tips or suggestions that you would give to, to someone, uh, you know, that wants to do that for, you know, uh, either a hobby or a career? Yes. Uh, perseverance is, is the main thing. You know, when, when you're a writer getting started, it's very difficult. It doesn't tend to get that much easier as you go. You know, when I first started writing science fiction full time and I was submitting to a lot of magazines, 
I'd probably get about a hundred rejections per single one acceptance. So you've got to have a thick skin. You have to be able to try and look at your work objectively and always try and do it better. You know, li- listen to editors. If, if they're offering criticism, which they won't always do, listen to it. You know, it doesn't mean you have to employ everything they say, but they are the ones in charge of selling stories and, and, and bringing an audience to you. And, and they often have extremely valuable advice. And if you're just getting into podcasting, um, just be aware that it takes a while to grow your audience and you want to grow that audience organically. Uh, you know, if you just have 10 listeners at first, that's no big deal. That's a great start. You know, let your friends know. And if, if you're doing it well and you're passionate about it and you're always trying to figure out how to make it better, the audience will show up. You know, you have to keep in mind that there are lots and lots of podcasts out there and it can be difficult to weed through them all. So you just give it time, you know, um, two years into this project, we have a pretty big audience now and it's wonderful, but it it wasn't there in the beginning. It, It takes time. And, you know, if you read articles about podcasting, what you find is most of them focus on, you know, do this online, do this on social media, and, and that's all fine and good, and you should do those things. But I think more importantly is let people that you talk to know. It's that face-to-face personal connection. You know, in the store, I have a stack of little business cards for the podcast, and every time someone expresses an interest in science fiction, I, I let them know what we're doing. And I'm pretty sure that the majority of our audience has come from talking to people face to face. So don't be afraid to do that and know that that's how you garnish the uh, long-term and most rewarding relationships. Yeah. Talk about it with, with people, even, you know, even a lot of networking um, just on social media, for instance, like get a good network of people that, that might um, retweet or, or just make, you know, a few friends that might retweet, um, you know, a, an episode that you mentioned on, on your Twitter feed or on your Facebook profile, you know, something like that, that might, you know, uh, alert one of their friends to say, Oh, you know, there's a podcast about science fiction and they have different stories. That's awesome. Let me check that out. So networking definitely helps, but I think, you know, following the beat of your own drum really works too. And, and finding a, a topic that you really um, enjoy is is also you know key. Just don't do it for the sake of doing it because <laughs> then it you know it may succeed and and give you uh, you know some income out of it. But if you you know really don't love it, then what's the point? You know. <laughs> so. Yeah, and if if you love something and you're passionate about something, that that becomes infectious. You know, when when I go to a talk or something, and it's I'll often try and experience things that are outside of my field of interest. And when you go and you listen to someone who's very passionate about it, you, you do get interested because the reality is if you look for past the surface of anything, almost everything is really interesting. And it's, you know, it's worth it to stop yourself from being jaded, experience new information, talk to as many people as you can. It's one of the neat things that being a writer has done for me. You know, I used to be – uh, the type of, uh, you know, I don't want to say misanthrope, not that severe, but, you know, I, I didn't really like being around people, I'm pretty introverted. And the thing about writing and storytelling is it's it's a human endeavor. 
you, you realize that our emotional states are very similar to one another. Our experiences might be, but the way we feel is is very similar. And being a writer taught me to listen to people and that everyone has an interesting story. And there are very human moments behind everything. And if if you're not listening and you don't talk to people, you're going to miss that. Like, uh, for instance, one day I was at the saloon and I was talking to a guy that I talked to sometimes and he had worked on submarines. And, you know, this is the question I always tell writers you should ask people. I said, so what do you do on a submarine when you're not on the clock, when you're not working? And he told me, we run around and play tag. And it was the last thing that I expected to hear, but it was such a human thing. You know, you've got a bunch of people trapped underwater in a little box playing tag and having fun. And what a neat story that is, and, and that we're, we're not so different from each other when you, when you look behind at the, at the motivations for what people do. But you're not going to find any of that out unless you're listening and you're willing to ask questions and talk to people. So, you know, while we spend a lot of time in front of a screen – you know, and we do talk to each other, but it's not as, as fluid as in, in person. So if you want to write, gather experience by, by talking to as many people as you can and, and find out the, the backstory behind things. You know, what happens in the off time, not just what do you do at work. Right. <laughs> yeah, because sometimes you'll find the most interesting story uh, lies beneath what, the, <laughs> what you think it is. So... <laughs> But, that's um, that's probably right. true for for most people. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, getting back to the podcast, how can people uh, find simultaneous times and and listen to you or or follow you on social media? Uh, you know, where where would you guide them to to look? So, for the podcast, um, if you don't have a favorite podcast player, you can just go to spacecowboybooks.com. There's a page for the podcast, and you can just click play on whichever one you want to hear. It's available on Podomatic. It's available on Bandcamp, Stitcher, Spotify, Radio for All, Google Play, iTunes. It's on most of the podcast players, so you shouldn't have too difficult a time. Uh, If you want to talk to us or send us a message, spacecowboybooks at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram, Space Cowboy Books, or on Twitter many times at once. Uh, there's also a Space Cowboy page. You can hit us up through either one. And if you're interested in the program or you have questions or comments, please get involved and tell us. You know, we, um, we do this for the audience, and we don't have as much communication with the audience as we'd like to. Uh, you know, tell us what you'd like to hear, how we could do it better. We're always open to criticism and, of course, open to compliment. <laughs> <laughs> of course. So, um, any closing thoughts you'd like to share to people listening to this podcast and who are just discovering yours, or uh, do you want to give a shout out to to any of the crew that help you out on on simultaneous times? Well, I would definitely like to thank all the authors, musicians, and actors. Unfortunately, that list is too long to uh, to go through right now. We've had a lot of people involved, which keeps it fun. And for those of you that are writing science fiction, whether you're just getting started or if you're established, I'm always looking for submissions. I don't always say yes, but if I say no, I will usually try and spend a little bit of time telling you why and how maybe the story could be better. And, um, 
Yeah, if you're interested, please, please submit. We're always looking for stories, and sometimes that's uh, that's the part that takes longest. You know, if I don't get the submissions till late in the game, then I'm rushing on the production. So the the more we have accumulated that's on the slated for upcoming, the better a job we can do in the production. Oh, great. Well, uh, I want to thank you, um, John Paul Garnier from uh, Simultaneous Times for joining me on your podcast or mine. I really uh, enjoyed the conversation and I look forward to uh, more shows. Hopefully uh, one is coming up uh, on the the 15th of of December and uh, of course the beginning of the month with with your author and mus- or musician. So I appreciate the time that you spent talking with me. Thank you, Sherry, and thank you so much for what you do and and giving us uh, podcasters a chance to tell a little bit of our story. Uh, well, thank you again, and thank you to everyone listening to your podcast or mine, and uh, be sure to tune in next time.